You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. Good morning, Village. This is Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they will rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are It's pleasant painting. It's his pleasant painting. And he looked for justice, and behold, bloodshed for righteousness, and behold, an outcry. Thanks, Rob. Um, If I haven't gotten the chance to meet you yet, my name is Larry, and I am one of the pastors here at the Village Church. And uh, regardless of your background, we're so glad that that you're here, and we welcome you. We want you to know that you're welcome here. But before we begin, I want to spend a little bit of time praying. Last weekend, Hurricane Harvey made landfall in Texas, and uh, some areas received as much as 40 inches of rain. Um, As a result, about 50 people have died, and the numbers are rising, and about 30,000 people have been displaced. I also want to mention that this summer, during the South Asia monsoons in Nepal, Bangladesh, and India, about 1,200 people have died and millions of people displaced. Uh, 1.8 million children are now unable to attend schools because their schools have been destroyed. So uh, I just wanted to spend some time just praying, just a few minutes praying together. We can do that right now. You can do it on your own time, and then I'll pray for us um, as we pray for the victims of both of these events. Father, I want to pray for the victims of these horrendous events that have happened. And God, it pains us to think about the fact that if there was was no sin, if there was no fall, these things wouldn't have taken place. Um, But because of sin, disaster happens and death happens. God, we want to pray for the families of those affected. Maybe they have family members who have passed away. Or maybe they've lost their residences. We want to pray that you would work through your church to be the hands, to be your hands and feet to those people who desperately need you. God, I also want to just pray for today, this morning, uh, that uh, you would open up our hearts, open up our eyes to hear from your word. May you speak through me and challenge us to bear fruit for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, recently, I started to get into gardening. Um, 
Before we moved, we moved in June, and before June,、uh, I didn't own a garden. I didn't. We didn't own land. In fact, I lived in seven different places in a row、uh, over the past decade or so, where we didn't have land,、um, and、uh, we didn't have a garden.、And、so finally, we have this garden, and I, I discovered for the first time that I actually love gardening. And、uh, when I was growing up, of course, you know, I, I, my parents had a garden, but I never really cared very much. But in college, I started learning about watersheds and about composting and and rain runoff and things like that. And I started to get pretty fascinated by the stuff. And finally, we have this yard. And、uh, before and, and because I started gardening, there are certain passages in the Bible that all of a sudden start to have a different meaning because the Bible often uses a lot of gardening language.、Um, You know, for example, when when Adam curses the ground after Adam sins, he says, "By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread," and that makes sense now. I I've experienced the sweat of your face phenomenon as I garden. <laughs>、um, you know, and there's and there's parables about a farmer sowing and different types of soil, and and I've realized that having healthy soil is important. In our yard,、uh, where we live, the soil is. Similar to Play-Doh, so we don't have very much、uh, naturally growing, so we have to do a lot of work. But I, I've come to see there's a lot of important things to do in order to have healthy soil. And so, in one of the interesting metaphors that's used a lot throughout the Bible is this idea of fruit bearing, fruit bearing. And、uh, for me, this is always one of the most unrelatable experiences in the Bible because、uh, I never grew fruit, and two, I don't even like fruits all that much. You know, I'm. I'm actually slightly allergic to some fruits, and so I just I just stay away from a lot of fruits.、Um, but fruit bearing is all over the Bible. In fact, the the very first command that God gave to human beings was to be fruitful and to multiply. And God often in the Old Testament He often compares His people to a vineyard. And in the New Testament, Jesus talks about bearing fruit. One time, he cursed this fig tree that wasn't bearing fruit. And Paul talks about bearing fruit. He talks about the fruit of the spirit. So this theme runs through the whole Bible. And so. Today I want to dive into some of these fruit passages、um, because, in my hope, my goal is that you start to see some of these passages in a refresh, refreshing light.、Um, so we'll just dive right in. As I mentioned, the very first command given to human beings, which is in the very first chapter of the Bible, is to be fruitful and to multiply. But shortly before that, in Genesis one, verse eleven, God talks about literal fruits, and God said, "Let the earth spread vegetation." Plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. Notice that God designed plants in a very specific way. They bear fruit each according to its kind, and these fruits they contain seeds, and these seeds eventually they become mature adult plants.、Um, and, and so you have, for example, an apple tree, and it, it produces apple seeds, and the apple seeds become apple trees. And you have orange trees; they produce oranges, which have orange seeds, and these orange seeds become apple trees. And that's the way God designed plants. And so, let's skip down to verse twenty-seven because I think that context of fruits is, under, is important to understand. Verse twenty-seven. This is Genesis one twenty-seven. So God created man in His own image; in the image of God He created him. Male and female He created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion." Over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So notice the mission of humanity: be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So what does it mean to be fruitful? We just, well, we just talked about the fruit. 
Uh, does it mean we actually become bananas and papayas? No. Uh, it's a metaphor. The Bible often uses metaphors. So I believe there's a, you could say, a biological dimension to being fruitful and multiplying, and there's a spiritual dimension to being fruitful and multiplying. Uh, first off, there's a biological dimension. Biologically, we are just like the fruit-bearing plants in that we reproduce ourselves biologically. We have children. So that is one of the meanings. There's a biological dimension. And we reproduce, and as we reproduce, we create more human beings. But there's also a spiritual dimension, and that's where this image of God stuff plays out. Uh, Because God created us in His image. We notice that in this passage too. So God created us in His image, and as a result, when we reproduce, we create other image bearers. We create other image bearers. What is an image bearer of God? An image bearer of God is someone who reflects God, who mirrors God, so that when people see this image bearer, they see glimpses of God. And so the, the, the Bible often refers to these fruits, uh, we'll learn later, as, as, as these godly character traits. And for example, in uh, Galatians 5, uh, Paul talks about this. He says that the fruit of the Spirit is described as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So these are all fruits that we bear. And as we bear these fruits... We are fulfilling our role as image bearers of God because these fruits, these are, these are characteristics of God. And so when we display them, people see us. They see that we are image bearers of God. They see, they see glimpses of God himself. And so why are we supposed to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth? Because as we do that, there is a spiritual reproduction, a spiritual reproduction in which God's character, God's glory, they're made more and more prominent throughout the whole earth. So that when we fill the whole earth, God's glo- the whole earth, in a sense, will be an image of God. So that when people just see the whole planet, all of his creation, they will see, oh, God is a glorious God. And they will see God as a loving God. So that was God's plan. So this is, just to recap, this is God's original design for humanity. God wants us, human beings, to bear fruit, to reproduce ourselves. So that we, as image bearers of God, fill the earth. And when we fill the earth with image bearers of God, God is glorified. However, humanity chose not to bear good fruit. And as we continue to read the Bible, we see that the whole, the whole human race, whole scale, decided to reject God, to not bear fruit, to not be image bearers of God, to refuse that identity. So what did God do? He chose to do something interesting. He chose to create a special vineyard, which is the passage that Rob talked about. He chose to create a special vineyard out of a specific group of people, and that was the people of Israel. Okay, so I'm going to read Psalm 80, Psalm 80, starting from verse 8. And this is, this is talking about this, this phenomenon. This is, uh, the psalmist is writing about God. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. I'm a little bit sick. <laughs> I don't know if you could tell. Um, in this psalm, we have this vineyard imagery. Uh, it refers to how God, he brought this vine out of Egypt. That was God rescuing the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And he, he settled them uh, in this place, uh, uh, the promised land. And in this place, he, he fortified them, he protected them, and he made them prosperous and, and numerous and strong. And so... So let's go back to the big storyline. So God created human beings to bear fruit. They failed. So God chose the people of Israel to bear fruit, to be a vineyard. But what happened? 
And this is Isaiah 5, the passage that Rob just read. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved, this is God, had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it. He hewed out a wine vat in it and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Let's stop right there. So Isaiah, he's using this vineyard imagery, and he's saying that God did all these things to ensure that this vineyard was in good condition. He, he, he made sure it was on a fertile hill. He dug it out. He cleared it with stones. You know, he, he chose choice vines. He built a watchtower so that enemies couldn't come in and invade and destroy the vineyard. He did all these things. He did nothing wrong. But instead of grapes, this vineyard yielded wild grapes. And this phrase, wild grapes, is literally stink berries or, or poison berries. Instead of being who God created them to be, instead of reflecting God's character and giving God glory, Israel became a stench to God. Um, this is, uh, it reminds me a little bit, I was... Uh, VK and I were meeting with his family a few weeks ago, and we were just talking, and I was talking to him about how I was excited about my garden um, and about how we were planting all these things. And then the, the guy asked, did you test the soil for lead? And I was like, oh, is that, a, is that a thing people do? You test the soil for lead? I didn't know that. And he's like, yeah, a lot of homes in Baltimore, you know, they have lead in their soil. And uh, if you don't test it for lead, there might be lead in there, and, and you can eat these vegetables, and you're actually eating lead. And, uh, and I was like, oh, wow, I, I had no idea. That's, I, should, I should test myself for lead. And, and so it doesn't matter. The, the point is, it doesn't matter how nice your vegetables look. These vegetables, if they contain lead, they will be poisonous for you. And that's what happened to Israel. Fruit is meant for eating, but if it is poisonous, if, it's not, if you can't eat it in a healthy way, then it loses its purpose. So what does God do? Verse 5, now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge. And it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. So God, he's saying, I'm going to abandon this vineyard. I will remove the vineyard's protections. I won't be taking care of this vineyard anymore. I'm just going to let it grow wild. I'm just going to let the wild animals have at it. I'm going to let the outsiders come in and trample it. And I'm going to allow it to just be filled with briars and thorns so that it will dry up. And that's exactly what happened. Israel was conquered by foreign invaders. And they were exiled. And why did God allow that to happen? Verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. God wanted good grapes. What kind of good grapes? Justice and righteousness. But but Israel produced bad grapes. They created an environment where there was bloodshed and there were outcries. Or in other translations, you have the term cries of distress. God wanted Israel to fulfill his original mission of being fruitful, multiplying, being image bearers of God, filling the earth with his glory. But instead, they filled the earth with bad fruit. A few months ago, a few of us, we went on this mission trip to Haiti. Uh, it was late May, early June. Uh, there were five of us who went to Haiti, and one of the groups that we, one of the groups of people we worked with, were these uh, these high schoolers who were trying to uh, be leaders in their community, and uh, 
and it was a pretty impoverished community, and there were all sorts of social issues. And so one of the things we were trying to do is we were encouraging them to take on some of these challenges. And one of the big issues was there was a lack of locally sourced food. And uh, partly because of the soil, partly because of just the way the economy was set up, there was a lack of locally sourced food. And so these kids, they made this plan to start a cabbage garden. And they bought some land, they took turns watering, and they started to see some, uh, some growth in these cabbages, and they kept at it for a month. But unfortunately, the majority of the cabbages, they slowly started to die. They started to wither away, whether through disease or invading animals. The majority of the cabbages died. And the kids, they, they sort of scrapped together the cabbages that were okay to sell, and they barely broke even. And I encourage yourself to put yourself in these shoes. Imagine the disappointment you may feel. Imagine the frustration you may feel. Imagine even the callousness you may feel. You know, this, I spent so much time in these cabbages. These people from America, they told me to grow these cabbages. And I, I did these things, and, and these cabbages, they're, they're dead. And what was the point of all of that? I don't know if you've ever felt something like that before. Um, maybe you feel disappointed or frustrated or callous at your workplace. Maybe you feel like you spend a lot of time doing all these things or committing yourself to all these things, but whether it's because of upper management or whether it's because just your workplace environment, whether it's because of lack of funding, you just feel like nothing ever gets done. Or maybe you feel disappointed or frustrated or callous in your marriage or in your parenting. You feel like, I've spent so much time and effort to do this, but, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I've sacrificed so much, but I feel like there's no progress. And I want to say that feeling that you've had, that you have, that you've experienced, that feeling that the kids uh, who, who, who couldn't grow these cabbages, that feeling, God feels that all the time. And he has been feeling that since the dawn of history. So feel God's heart in Isaiah 5. And, and, and notice, God, he, he's, not, he's not straight out condemning these guys. He's calling this a love song. He's calling this a love song, and he's doing all these things to care for his vineyard because he loves his vineyard, and he wants so badly for his people to bear good fruit. So I'm just going to read this again, Isaiah 5. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but he yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, Judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And here's the thing. God doesn't just feel this with Israel. He feels this way about the whole world. Here's the reality. We have all let God down. The whole world has let God down. We have all yielded wild grapes. We've lied. We've stolen. We've been lustful. We've hated. We've been racist. We've been greedy. We've done all these things uh, to let God down. But God maintains his love for us. And God doesn't give up. Literally, uh, later in Isaiah, God, he, he, he talks about vineyards again in Isaiah chapter 27. And he reveals something very interesting. He says that even though Israel has abandoned God, God doesn't want to abandon Israel. This is Isaiah 27. In that day, starting from verse 2. In that day, a pleasant vineyard, sing of it. I, the Lord, am its keeper. Every moment I water it, lest anyone punish it, I keep it night and day. I have no wrath, well, that I had thorns and briars to battle. I would march against them. I would burn them up together. He's talking about battling against thorns and briars. Or let them lay hold of my protection. Let them make peace with me. Let them make peace with me. In days to come, Jacob shall take root, 
Israel shall blossom and put forth shoots and fill the whole world with fruit. God is saying, I am the keeper of this vineyard. I water it. I protect it. I fight off thorns and briars. And, and then he promises something in verse 6. He says, in, in days to come, Jacob shall take root. Israel shall blossom and put forth shoots and fill the whole world with fruit. So, and so you catch the whole world will be filled with the fruit of Israel. And that's, that's interesting because that's, almost, that's a direct fulfillment of Genesis 1. When God says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. How is God going to do that? God was going to fulfill this promise of filling the whole world with the fruit of Israel. And so, here's a recap. Humanity had failed. Israel had failed. What's, what's, what's the next step? How was God going to fulfill this promise? Fast forward 700 years and a man named Jesus comes along. And he claims to be the son of God. And he says in John chapter 15, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Using this vineyard analogy once again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Humanity failed. Israel failed. So God sent his own son, Jesus, the true vine. And Jesus was going to bear fruit, and Jesus was not going to fail. But Cassius, it's not just about Jesus bearing fruit. If that's all there was, then we can just go home. Jesus is bearing fruit through us. Do you catch that? He's not just saying, I'm the vine, and I'm going to come and bear fruit. He's saying, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. You, the church, are the branches, and he's going to bear fruit through us, the church. And it doesn't matter if you fail. It doesn't matter if you messed up. It doesn't matter what sort of history you have. You have an opportunity. You are invited to link up, to connect with Jesus, the true vine, and to bear fruit as well. And how do you bear fruit? Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. The way you bear fruit is you abide in Jesus, and you have Jesus abide in you. That's the way you bear fruit. You are connected to Jesus, the source of the good fruit. A branch that is disconnected from the vine that's sitting on the ground cannot bear fruit. All it can do is get eaten by bacteria and fungi. But a a, a branch that is connected to the vine gets a source of nutrients, and that branch will bear fruit. So regardless of how withered withered away you might feel, regardless of, 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 of what you've experienced in life, you have an opportunity to be rooted, to be grafted into this true vine, and you will bear fruit. And when you abide in Jesus, Jesus promises, Jesus promises that your character will be transformed, and you will start bearing the fruit of the Spirit. You'll find yourself loving others in a way you never imagined. You, you, you will find yourself having joy, experiencing joy in a way you never imagined. You'll, you'll find yourself experiencing peace in a way you never imagined, and so on. And why do we do that? What's the purpose of that? Let's come full circle. Here's John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This is so key because this is saying when we bear fruit, we prove that we are disciples of Jesus. We prove that we are disciples of Jesus. What is a disciple of Jesus? 
a, a disciple is someone who follows someone, who images someone, who mirrors someone. And it's very similar language to this Genesis 1 language when God told us we were supposed to be image bearers of God and we're going to be fruitful and multiply. How do we, how do we be image bearers of God and be fruitful and multiply? We become disciples of Jesus. We, we image Jesus, the true image bearer of God. And how do we be fruitful and multiply? Right before Jesus went to heaven, he said in Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So here's, here's how it works. The way we become fruitful and multiply is we become disciples of Jesus and then we make disciples of everybody else. We love others, we teach others, we serve others, we share lives with others, and as we do so, we bear fruit. And so that when other people see us bearing fruit, they say, oh wow, this person is different. And they go, why are you so different? And we say, we are disciples of Jesus. And you can say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and this is how you be a disciple of Jesus. And then they start following Jesus. And when that conversation happens, disciples are made, and the Father is glorified. And, and can I tell you something? The world is desperately looking for disciples of Jesus. The world is desperately looking for disciples of Jesus. The world is looking for meaning. The world is looking for significance. The world is looking for purpose, looking for joy, looking for community, looking for peace, looking for justice. They are sick and tired of bad fruit, and they want good fruit. And the church is the place where they get that good fruit. And many people, unfortunately, they look at the church, and there's no difference between the church and the rest of the world. It's all bad fruit all around. And so they keep searching. But Jesus promises. Jesus promises that if you abide in him, if you pray to him, if you read your Bible, if you gather regularly in community with other Christians, if you, if you go through this process of, of abiding in Jesus day to day, then you will bear good fruit. And we need, and we need a generation of Christians who will take this seriously. And I want to be careful here. I'm not, I'm not saying that, um, that fruit bearing is necessary to be saved. I think I want to make that very clear. In fact, in, in John 15, 3, Jesus actually says, uh, Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And so Jesus is saying, he's not talking about our right standing before God. He's not, he's, he's not saying, you better bear good fruit or I'm going to cut you off. He's not, he's not talking like that. So I want to affirm, you know, you are saved you're saved through the fruit that you bear. I mean, you're saved, not sorry. You're saved not by the fruit that you bear. You're saved through Jesus, through grace alone. And so if you've never heard that message before, if, you, if all your life you thought, you know, I, I, need to be right, I need to be right with God. And so in order to be right with God, I need to do this and this. If you've heard that all your life, forget that, okay? And, and, and just remember that Jesus saves you no matter what. No matter what you do. And it's, you're saved not by your works, but through grace alone. And you just come to him empty-handed. And so I invite you to take that invitation. But here's the thing. So many Christians, they stop right there. They say, I'm in. I'm a level one Christian. And that's all I need to be. And I'm done. I'm good to go. And they have this mentality of, you know, I'm saved. And so, you know, I, I just got to fulfill my little checklist. I'll go to church every now and then. I'll go to small groups every now and then. You know, I'll, I'll listen to Christian radio every now and then or whatever. And then I'll be good to go. But Jesus is saying, Jesus loved us and died for us, not just so that we would just stay the same, but so that we would bear fruit. So I'm asking you to take this fruit bearing seriously, and I know it's hard, okay? We all struggle every day to bear fruit, and that's normal. That's, that's why Jesus he even talks about pruning. He, he says, you know, those that bear fruit, God will prune so that you bear more fruit, and pruning hurts. And so it's not easy for sure, pruning hurts. But the world is sick and tired of people who call themselves Christians and bear no fruit. 
The world is sick and tired of people today who have this mentality of, I'm saved, so I'm good to go. You know, I just got to I gotta fake it till I make it. And all they got is this, this label, Christian. And that's all they got. They don't bear fruit. They don't abide in Jesus. There's no character transformation. There's no fruit. There's just this label. And when the, when the, when the world looks at us, they just think of these, these cars who cut them off, and then these cars have these Jesus fish decals. Or when the world looks at us, they think of the big groups of people who, who pray very publicly in restaurants before they eat, and they leave no tip. Just, that's what they think of us. Right? Why was there a, a, this social media outrage over Pastor Joel Osteen this past week? I'm not going to debate what happened. You might have different opinions of what happened, but... but there's this pastor in Houston, and people accused him of not opening up his church. Why do people outside of the church even care that there is this Christian who's not opening up his church? Why do they care? Because, oh, there's probably all sorts of reasons, but one reason is the world is looking for the church to bear good fruit. They're just waiting for the church to, to bear good fruit. And when they see us saying one thing and doing another, or when they think they see us doing one thing and saying another, they, 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 they think of us as hypocritical. Right? They think of it as hypocritical. And, and, and some people are in the world, they're not in the church, but they're holding on to this glimmer of hope that maybe this church is still capable of bearing good fruit. Maybe there's some people out there who are willing to walk the talk. There's some churches out there who are willing to care for those who are oppressed or who are victims of hurricanes. Maybe there are people out there, and there's some, there's some people out there that are holding on to that. Because if the church doesn't have good fruit, then who does? If the church doesn't have good fruit, then who does? And this is how I see it. This is, here's a little metaphor. I just, it's not in the Bible. I just made it up, okay? The world is a desolate wasteland. It's like Tatooine, and I have a picture of Tatooine right here, okay? Or it's even worse than Tatooine. Tatooine's in Star Wars. You can go watch it, okay? Or, or if you never watched that, uh, you can watch Mad Max. That's also a scene I was trying to think of, okay? People spend their lives eating rocks and dirt. Okay, this is not a true story. This is a metaphor. People spend their lives eating rocks and dirt. And sometimes, you know, they get creative and they, they eat these rocky dirt sandwiches. So that's what they do. And then along comes these new people they've never seen before. Sort of how like on, uh, is it on 28th Street? Some, some people sell watermelon out of their pickup truck. A little bit like that, okay? The, the, there's people coming along with these carts. And then there are these odd, colorful things in these carts. And then these people, they go, oh, what is this thing you have in your car? And they go, this is called fruit. And then they go, oh, what do you do with fruit? And you go, oh, you eat it. And it's very delicious and very nutritious. And then, and then here's what happens. Here's how it plays out. Some people, they will take a look at that and they will go, that is bizarre. That is the most, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Why would you eat something that's that colorful? It's red and orange and green. That's bizarre. I'm going to stick with my Rocky Dirt sandwiches. That's what happens, okay? And then they move on. And some other people, they come along and they go, oh, what is this thing you have? And they say the same thing. This is fruit. What do you do? You eat it. It's delicious and nutritious. And they will go, can I try it? And, and they say, oh, here. It's, I mean, it's free. It's for you. I, I came out just to give it to you. And then they try it and they go, oh, this is interesting. But uh, I think I've had enough. And then so they keep moving on with their lives. And then you might have some more people that come along and they see these fruit cart people. And they, they go, oh, what is this you have? Oh, this is fruit. And it's delicious and nutritious. And they eat it. And they go, oh, where did you get this stuff? And they go, this is from Jesus' kingdom. And they go, oh, where is that? And they go, oh, it's, oh, it's over there. And they go, oh, I don't want to make that truck. I'm, I'm pretty content with my Rocky Dirt Sandwich. I'll see it right here. But there's a group of people. We don't know how big or how small. There's this group of people out there. They see these fruits and they taste these fruits. And they go, you know what? I can't believe my whole life I was eating Rocky Dirt Sandwiches. I had no idea. 
Kids, pack your bags. We're moving to Jesus' kingdom. There are these group of people out there, and, and they're just waiting for someone to show up to give them fruit. They're just waiting for someone to give them good fruit. And that's our hope. That we bear the fruit of the Spirit in a world so desperate for the kingdom. And a handful of people will notice as we walk around our lives bearing fruit to the best we can by abiding in Jesus. And they will be curious enough to say, I want this Jesus. In the very last chapter of the Bible, the Apostle John, he receives a vision of heaven. And this is what he records in Revelation 22, starting from verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That's where we're headed, the healing of the nations, where there's a river of God flowing from God himself, and those connected to that river bearing fruit, because the healing of the nations depends on it. And you're invited to be a part of that process. Please stand as we pray. Jesus, thank you so much for being the true vine. Thank you that our fruit bearing does not depend on us, but it depends all on you. And so we go through moments where we fail and we crash and we dry out and we burn and we feel withered away. But that's okay because you take us in, you welcome us in anyway, and you call us clean. And you invite us into this opportunity to bear fruit. So God, I pray for those of us in this room who feel like we don't bear fruit. We feel dry. We feel calloused. We feel like we're just going through the motions. We feel like this is just aimless and purposeless and we're just trying to get by. God, I pray that you help us to cling to you, to cry out to you, to abide in you, because we know that even though we fail, that you will never fail. And you will fulfill your promise that you will bear fruit through us. And God, we pray that you would use us as well to heal the nations, that you would use us to give and offer this good fruit to people who are desperate for this fruit. For our co-workers and for our neighbors and for our family members who are far from you and they're about ready to give up on life, God, I pray that you'd use us to speak truth and life and love to them and offer them good fruit. I thank you that you're inviting us to participate in this global mission. And I pray this on Jesus' name. Amen. Right now we're going to be moving into a time of communion. Communion is a time when we remember Jesus' death uh, for us. And so you can spend some time praying and reflecting on your own. And then when you're ready, you can line up on either side of the aisle one by one. And you can come take the bread, which represents Jesus' body broken for us. And dip it in the cup, which represents Jesus' blood shed for us.